It was all going so well until Mick Schumacher put it in the wall. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> Welcome to episode 334 of Motorsport 101. Or as I like to call it now, D-Day. Part 1. Like, end game is next week. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a double release. Uh, hi guys, I'm Dre Harrison. Hope you, welcome to the show. I'm your not-so-friendly neighbourhood host, given how this show is probably going to go for the next hour or so. But Saudi Arabia was an adventure. A trip. Uh, a, an experience that had to be seen to be believed. And the racing wasn't bad either. Or was it? I don't know. It, it, we, we've got a lot to get through here. This is going to be a lot. Uh, while me and my fellow co-hosts brace themselves for impact again. RJ, how you doing, buddy? Uh, i got to tell you, that was a... Uh, I've been through some busy weekends in my, I want to say, like, one-fourth, one-third of a season uh, being back as an accredited Formula One journalist, I gotta tell you, uh, this weekend was something. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it was certainly something. It's, it is something indeed. Where do you even start on that one? King, how you doing down there, buddy? Oh, man. I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I, I just woke up in the middle of a jungle, and instead of Fortunate Son playing, it is Rick Allen on repeat saying championship implications. It's not Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen, that is uh, NASCAR broadcaster Rick Allen. Uh, by oh, the way, no. uh, congratulations to NBC Sports on their new Im improvements uh, in the broadcast booth, the IndyCar series, uh, because the driver analyst role uh, opposite Townsend Bell is now free agent. It's now a crazy seat as of today. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the NBC broadcasting booth is uh, down one foot fetish. Paul DeResta, oh, no. Paul Tracy. <laughs> Commentators named Paul being so bad at their job every single week until they're untenable. Oh. <laughs> the tea is already Let's be nice. Be like, Let's be oh, nice. We didn't have to go there. Paul DeRest has already got a successful racing career to fall back on. He's fine. He doesn't need our defense. We're <laughs> well, not we've already had the gasification of Martin Brundle this year. We're not extending that to Paul DeResta. Look, I love that King is on the perfect backdrop in all of this, just just having a large cup of tea in the background because it's already piping and we're four minutes in. <laughs> four minutes! We haven't even talked about the racing yet! <laughs> Cam, Hi, how's it everyone. going down there? <sighs> I'm Cam. You know, I, these are the weekends where I'm really happy I'm not an accredited uh, motorsports journalist because <laughs> if I were, I would have had to buy a water cooler for my keyboard. <laughs> the hose. Just, just, just hose this bad boy down. I, I, I got every every five hundred words. Oh boy, it's a it's a lot. Oh, and uh, yeah. God, it, we have a lot to get through here. We've got the fourth major flashpoint between Hamilton, Verstappen, and a bunch of stewards, and everything that came alongside of it. Because uh, we are going into next or this weekend, I should say, championship finale. 
all square. 369 and a half points each. Not so nice. Nice. No. That's not what we're going to do. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about everything to do with those incidents, including the stewarding, including the track itself. All of that. We'll be talking about an annoying deal off the track as well for Mercedes and the head roll in that. And at the end, we'll probably talk a little bit about who we think will actually win this championship. May the good Lord help us all. In the meantime, here's the place you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can. At Harrison 101 HD. At RJ O'Connell. At Ryan Eric King. And at Max Verstappen 33. To send all your hate mail in that direction. Um, oh, Cab's available as well. See Bucky Live on 7. Um, you get to, to get to see him on that. We're on Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. Or on our website, motorsport101.com, where if you want to hear even more about Saudi Arabia, I wrote a, the biggest race review I've ever written about anything on there. Motorsport101.com, check the blog section for that. Um, we spruced the place up a little bit, it's quite nice. You'll, you'll, you'll like the new place. Content, heaps of content, you'll love it. Um, all of that's on there. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks that you early access to all of our audio episodes 10 bucks for the video version and access to the supporters company listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded i could put this off no longer ladies gentlemen friends outside the binary welcome to the saudi arabian grand prix 22nd round of 23. We're at Jeddah Cornish Circuit, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. We had yet another incredible highlight on Saturday as Max Verstappen had one of the best qualifying laps going until he didn't. He hit the wall in the final quarter. Uh, Lewis Hamilton ended up leading Mercedes 1-2 in qualifying. Verstappen had to settle for third. Average speed around this new kind of street circuit. It's a street circuit, but it's not made of actual streets, but it's got plenty of blind quarters. 157 miles per hour, putting it ahead of every other track not named Monza. If you want to know what this place is going to be like. So, people were cynical, as usual, that the racing wouldn't be great. And it wasn't great for the first, I'd say, 9-10 laps. I would say Hamilton Botas for stabbing all the way through the... Right up until the point that Mick Schumacher hits the wall, brings out a safety car. Mercedes double stacks their cars in the pits. Red Bull keeps Verstappen out, only for the race to be red flag, giving Verstappen a free change of tires. This was right after Verstappen was worried that Valtteri Bottas was backing him up, trying to prevent him from pitting under the safety car, which actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But hold that thought, because we're going to get a standing red flag restart, Hamilton beats Verstappen in a turn run, but Verstappen cuts the corner to retake the league, only for an enormous pileup behind them. Charles Leclerc gets pushed in the wall, hooks Sergio Perez behind them. Nikita Maspin slams the back of George Russell. That brings out a second red flag. Verstappen changes tires again, and we get radio of race director Michael Massey offering Red Bull a behind-Lewis position grid drop to avoid a Stewart's call. And all parties accept... So Esteban Ocon, who was second on the trap at the time the race was called off, took the second restart on pole. 
And then they actually went going, and Hamilton, on his medium tire, passes him, passes Hamilton to retake the lead. Verstappen holds off Hamilton on his medium tires until a virtual safety car, a whole shitload of virtual safety car, puts Hamilton into an excellent position on lap 37. Hamilton goes around the outside into turn one. Verstappen forces both himself and Lewis off to defend the position again. Race control calls for Mats to hand the place over without notifying Mercedes. But lacking info, Lewis holds off. Mats touches the brake just enough to force Lewis to pass, and both cars hit. Both cars suffered damage, but after more swaps shenanigans, the Seward slapped Mats with a five-second time penalty for leaving the track and gaining lasting advantage to defend his position. Lewis passed him to take the win. This is arguably the most chaotic of his 103 wins, with Verstappen finishing second despite 15 total seconds of time penalties, 5 for leaving the track at turn 1, and 10 for the brake check. Valtteri Bottas, resident fun ruiner in his penultimate weekend at Mercedes, takes away Ocon's podium by a tenth of a second in a drag race over the line, and that's probably the last we'll talk about this. It's probably the last we're going to talk about Anything else that happens outside of this bubble of Verstappen v. Hamilton. Folks, I put 45 minutes on the clock because I expect to talk about this for a while. What do y'all make of all this between Lewis Hamilton and Matt Verstappen? Was this the most ill-tempered Formula 1 Grand Prix of our lifetimes? Oh man, I can't remember a last time. Up there. An F1 Grand Prix was this chaotic in, say, the last... 15 years it's up there it's it's in the conversation uh what a mess what a hot mess this was and like i one of the tweets that i put out during me watching this race live i still stand by i said the inmates are running the asylum and that's kind of what this race felt like it felt like the two best racing drivers in the world you know, that these two are such a country mile clear of everybody else at this point. It's not even funny. Like, it just felt like the red mist descended for all parties. And it's... I, I, I don't even know what's the best way of me describing it. It's like, the, I'm not sure what the right angle of attack is, because it's all just one great big clusterfuck. This was the sickos race of the year. <laughs> yeah. This was, and it wasn't just limited to uh, Formula One because F two was disastrous on Sunday. Formula um, Two was a mess. Um, Oscar, yeah. Oscar, mm. um, Share and Enzo Fittipaldi had a bad wreck at the start of what was to be the feature race. Mm. Uh, Tail's largely fine. Enzo broke his heel. That wasn't on the track itself. That's down to you know Formula Two cars stalling on the grid. We could have a long discussion. Yeah. We could have another long discussion about Formula Two machinery, vehicle quality control. Uh, but just sadly, just put just just put LS engines and Tremec paddle shifts in the back, and then you fix F two. Just put um, an get well soon. Yeah, yeah, get well soon. Get well soon for both of those. Uh, obviously, yeah. the seventy two G crash, uh, really oh. nasty one, and uh, glad Eesh. that they are um, by and large will recover. Um, okay, but. The stewarding was pants. 
It was pants from the very first safety car when Mick crashed. Uh, and we ha- ran a few laps under safety car. Uh, as RJ mentioned, Bottas backs Max up into while going towards the pit lane, which is a punishable offense. Mm. Uh, we've seen was it- teams be punished for it before, and it was not even noted. Was um, not investigated at all. How? H- how does that not even get investigated? Yeah, because Lewis uh, Lewis got thrown out of a window for it in Bahrain, I want to say 2018. Because yes. even though he was within margin for the VSC, because that was kind of the operative thing here, uh, you can't deliberately back people up. Yeah, he backed um, up Ricardo, I think it was. Ugh. It was. Uh, and then we run a few laps under safety car. And only after, I think, four or five laps under safety car do... F1 realized that the barrier, the Tech Pro uh, triple layer there at that section of the track is damaged to the point where it needs to be repaired, and we go under a red flag, rightly or wrongly, depending on your side of the fence, handing both track position and a free tire change to Max Verstappen. Like You can still hear in the background Lando Norris complaining about this rule that he absolutely despises. <laughs> um, after what yeah. happened the I actually the last got year. Uh, the uh, the data here. It looks like Hamilton, Botas, Leclerc, Norris, Stroll, Latifi, Alonso, uh, Perez, and Russell, they all pitted under the safety car, and then everybody else got a free tire change. I don't have a problem with the rule as it is because, mm. you know, there is always the risk you can run over debris in the event of an accident like this, especially of a track blocker like the second incident that we have. So until we find a better, uh, until we find a better solution, this is the one we got, and I'm fine with it. You know, yeah, yeah. that yeah, that's just and, the brakes. Yeah, I think the, the races. The the bigger problem is not that you know the red flag tire rule. It's how long it took for the red flag to be deployed. Oh yeah. Exactly. That was a running theme this weekend. Every FIA decision seemed to take forever to not just go to the stewards, but then come back with a final decision. We've been through this the last couple of weeks. It's like we're having to wait till the day after for stewarding decisions that can impact the grid of a race. We saw it at Sao Sao Paulo. We saw it in Qatar. Well, like, I think a lot of this, well in terms of the the track status changes, is down to not the FI itself, but the marshals, who the FI don't provide, is provided by the local organizer. Uh, And for this race, they flew in 400 marshals that normally call the Bahrain Grand Prix, which, by my estimate, isn't even half the amount of marshals you would need to, to operate a circuit like this. So most of the... Most of the people were provided by the local Saudi automobile club, and it's based on how they were responding to incidents. It was clear that they were not fully prepared for uh, the fastest ever street race in Formula One history. No, I mean, at the end of the day, the people on the ground need to be trained properly, and they need to um, know how to respond in the case of an incident, and... Not only did this track have just unbelievable speed. I mean, the speeds on Saturday and qualifying, there were corners that were almost unbelievable to watch with these uh, second-to-last race for these big, stupid cars with all this downforce. 
Um, they put on a hell of a show around here. And we saw it through multiple debris cautions where it seemed to take forever to get the track cleared. Uh, shout out Sebastian Battle for uh, for locking wheels with seemingly everybody. You know, everybody in the midfield was just so attracted to side pods of Sebastian Pedal. It was young guys like Yuki Tsunoda, whether it's old man Kimmy Yuki, and his what? race. Yuki, what the hell was that? You were having a good weekend, too. What the hell was that? Um, Vettel um, didn't respect the meatball and was shedding debris uh, quite consistently for after that incident. It was not a good weekend for Aston Martin. I don't know. No. I don't know how Lance Stroll almost almost salvaged a point out of this. Yeah. Seb was running was healthy points uh, until the yeah. incident with Sunoda. Yeah, that remind me. Um, <laughs> look, oh. we had free we had free VSCs in the middle of that for debris. The last one in particular looked like it was taking about four laps off the clock to fix it. Like I don't know what that last one was all about either because. Like, we could see where the debris was on track, and, like, Fernando Alonso was calling for a full safety car because there was apparently that much debris out there during that final VSC we had, and, of course, that's what inadvertently set up the one on lap 36 that really put Hamilton in range um, for his big pass attempt. And, of course, what, the, what may be a lap that will define this championship by the time it's all said and done. I mean... Let's let's get to the big one here, fellas. I mean, what did you make of Hamilton and Verstappen and how that how lap thirty seven went about? First of all, turn one because that uh, one, I think, I think that one was a lesser version of what we got at Brazil. Like, yeah, there was it was clear from what I saw. There was a bit of gamesmanship at turn one for Max Verstappen. A bit of gamesmanship. <laughs> Where he he knew that him and Lewis were going to go wide, but the moment that he got clear of Lewis's front wing, he just immediately darted for the exit, like just cut across the runoff right towards uh, the run to three. Yeah, and that's kind of the operative uh, issue here. It happened earlier with the uh, aforementioned plea deal. Um, I, I guess we can get to that later, but it didn't really have such an effect on the race. Um, look, racing drivers are paid to push the limits, and the FIA did not punish Max Verstappen for doing what he did at Brazil. So there's no reason to think that doing that same move again was going to net him a penalty, because that's the line that the FIA has drawn here. Yeah. yeah, and ultimately what happened in Sao Paulo was, was rendered irrelevant because Hamilton would get it back again, and the same thing happened here today. Well, exactly. With a little more twists and turns along the way. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Oh, God. Um, the call to have Max hand the place over, I don't have a problem with. I think uh, you fine. really shouldn't be able to defend your position that way. And I think Max would have been fine if he didn't just you know, he pinned Lewis out there, he made the right move, and then cutting across turn t uh, turn two was just stupid of him because he had to have known that was blatant corner cutting. Yeah, he yeah. had a perfect restart uh, after the second red flag. Like it's Straight a, it's to the top the of the Scotty nominees. <laughs> it's, a, it's on the border of a, of a block pass that's like, ah, I 
it's just a little bit short of the line, but it was still, it's still really good. And think of, wow. Man. Yeah, I don't think Hamilton had him anywhere near as banged to rights as he was in Brazil. Um, all Man. he had to do was just take turn two normally, and he probably forces Hamilton to cut the corner, and he's still in front. I don't think yeah. Hamilton yeah. had him. I, I really don't. I think Verstappen, if anything, probably overdid it when it came to defending that position. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned. I, I, if anything, it's almost like he didn't trust himself. It was kind of weird for a guy that's got an exceedingly amount of... Well, uh, they made a, they made a little of bit of... They made a little bit of contact uh, tire to tire when I think it was Max's um, Max's right rear to Lewis's left front. Sure. And that could have put Verstappen wide, but I still think he overdid it. And then we get to the, the incident. The check. Um, How Formula One that. shocked the world. Uh, well, we're not race control. Yet. Race control hands down the call to Red Bull and Max. You need to get the position over. You can't. You gained a lasting advantage at turn one. Yeah. And Max, the wily, the wily young fox that he is, <laughs> decides to try and let Lewis by before a DRS zone to minimize the uh, damage of what that handing the position over is going to do. He backs off. He initially stays to the right, but was somewhat center of the track by the time Lewis got there. But there was still plenty of room on the left for Lewis to go around. And Lewis slows down and refuses to pass him. Because he has not been told by the FIA that he's being handed the position. And I do Max, find, uh, I do find it ahead. hilarious when, when he eventually does get told that Max is going to give up the position... It's after this incident took place, and he's about to take the corner. He's about to he's about to take you know the last corner corner turn twenty three. I mean twenty seven, and it's it's like yeah, this this is really useful now, guys. Yeah, um, everyone was kind of late on the draw there outside of Red Bull's camp, and yeah. you have to think going through Max's head at that point. I'm complying with race control. Why is he not passing me? Gets on the brakes a bit more, and Lewis runs up the back of him, breaking Max's I, diffuser and damaging, I believe, uh, his left rear tire, yeah. and snapping the right front end plate off of Lewis's front wing. Yeah, right. that that could have ended much much worse than it ended up doing. Like I'll tell you, I, I, I me and my partner both screamed when we saw them hit. It was yeah, it was I think wild. You and, and the rest was, of the world, RJ. Yeah, because at the time we're thinking, wow, Max Verstappen has gone full sicko mode. And it turns out, and it turns out, it, it looked it like just, it. It looked like it. And with hindsight, we now know that this was largely the product of gamesman, continued gamesmanship, a communication breakdown. I don't, looking back on it, I don't think it was terribly malicious but the fact that yeah we, we have were we have willing to leap to that conclusion the, the the fact that people were willing to jump to that conclusion probably does not reflect well matt's for stappen though i also think that's that's his right i think that's just your i think that's just your tribal shitty fan bases defending or um attacking based on which side of the fence they're on we, we have concrete data on this we wanted the uh, footballification of formula one we got it yeah, um, Max uh, 
Now, keep in mind, cars are slowed down at this point, so these are not your typical Formula One numbers. But he put about 69 bar brake pressure. Nice! Nice! Uh, <laughs> on the uh, brake pedal to slow the car down, and it generated about 2.4 G of force. If you know a little bit about F1 braking, and even factoring in the fact that the cars were slowed down, if Max was doing this to explicitly brake check Lewis... Those numbers would have been higher, and we probably have a double DNF in the dirtiest way humanly possible in F1. Well, I mean, say, let's say, which wasn't the case, he was intentionally mm. trying to break check Lewis. You obviously wouldn't try to make it look obvious. Right. Yeah. They're trying to style this shit out. If you, re if you really are believing that Verstappen has fully embraced Lord Voldemort's Book of Dark Arts, then... He's not putting, like, he's putting a hell of a lot more than that much brake force on the, on the pedal. Look. Well, more than that, I don't think, he never slows down, if that's the case. He waits for Lewis right. to try and catch him properly, and then puts him off at turn one. Yeah. But look, it, it's weird, because it's, so, it's not 2.4 all at once. He does slow mm. down, then yeah, exactly. dramatically gets slower. <laughs> That was the that's the operative thing here is that Max slowed down and was trundling along, I think at about 150 kph, and right. Lewis slowed down and refused to pass him, and they're both sitting there for about two seconds, just crawling relative just to the speed that a Formula One car usually that's a bizarre hits. Bizarre scene, though. Like, though logically, from say Verstappen's standpoint, where he he lets off and he's slowing down, mm. and you know. And you know that Lewis knows that you're both approaching the DRS detection point. And I yeah. think once he realizes that there isn't enough time for Lewis to pass me before that point, I need to slow down more. Right. And I think that's exactly what causes this. I think both drivers involved knew exactly what they were doing. They both... look. Like Verstappen is one of the best racing drivers in the world. Lewis Hamilton is a 15-year veteran of this sport. He's literally committed the same crime that they're thinking of committing right now with the DRS detection line. Remember Spa 2008, anyone? Where yeah. Kimi Raikkonen gets Kimi Raikkonen, where Hamilton pulled this exact same stunt and was given a 25-second time penalty for it. Hamilton was no, well you aware. See, there's no DRS at that time period. But okay. that exact situation pops up about two laps later, and we're going to get to it. Yeah. So Look. that happens. Max's Max's diffuser is wiped out. Lewis's yeah. uh, the whole the whole uh, left front of his or uh, right front of his front wing is destroyed. Max gaps him for a couple of laps, and then his damage mediums just die off. Yeah, they catch each other at the same point here. Max lets him by, and then immediately repasses Lewis to get the DRS down the front straight. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, it's, it's, it's all just silly buggers at this point, really, isn't it? It's all just like, well, okay, what the hell's going on? You mm. know, it, it's... And then, what, the it's, spa it's, it's, 2008. Yeah, it's, and then I think it's the lap after that that Hamilton finally passes him for the win, yeah. and then that's... Yep, and in that yeah. case... Um, at this point, the win is already done because on that second attempt where Max let him by and then immediately got the DRS, the FIA hands him a five-second time penalty for not complying with race control 
even though he attempted to uh, comply with race control and Lewis ass-packed him on the run into turn 27. And then, yeah, and, then, and then in the pass attempt that actually gets Lewis the lead on track, Lewis runs him out of road and effectively does the MotoGP block pass on him. Yeah, runs him four wheels off. Yeah, and yep. nothing happened because sod the rule book at this point. Am I right, fellas? I mean, yep. like it's all of this was a hot goddamn mess. I mean, we talked about it in in, in the, the race we already started in this segment. Verstappen got ten seconds afterwards for you know erratic driving, and a lot of people immediately leaped that this was an intentional brake check, and people that should know better in my opinion, we're going down the road if this was an intentional brake check. And I can't believe that people didn't read the full stewards report or even watch the action and could clearly come to the conclusion that there was more than enough mitigation going into the main incident to say that how that how on earth could anybody call this an intentional brake check unless well, and we'll go into that stewards report. Yeah. Talk about that stewards report for just a second. I'll paraphrase uh, the key points here. They acknowledged and they gave us the data that Verstappen, after slowing down gradually, slowed down suddenly when Lewis was effectively right up his ass. But also talk about the fact that Lewis was ref actively refusing to allow Max to comply with race control because the FIA acknowledged that both of them were playing games with the DRS detection point. Pause. Can I just say, how on earth is that deemed acceptable? So in other words, you've acknowledged in the report that Hamilton was actively trying not to pass him. <laughs> and that, yeah. that was just deemed as an acceptable defense by the FIA. Well, How? It, it's it's <laughs> deemed an acceptable... Uh, it's deemed as acceptable because, for the most part, Hamilton didn't know that Verstappen was ordered to give the position back. On that note, it means that he's just, under normal circumstances... Him passing Verstappen is just a normal overtake, which he's allowed to just not do. But then you can see how he gets to this awful mess of where the miscommunication is now caused. Like, the two drivers at question to now go full gamesmanship mode, thinking Max is just going to try and get me back in the DRS line. And that's why Hamilton's probably backed yeah. off. So, and that's why Verstappen. Because yeah. if there wasn't, say, if. Say if there was never a penalty for turn one and we were under normal racing conditions, what would have happened? Verstappen crosses the line first, Hamilton crosses second, Hamilton gets DRS and overtakes him in the turn one anyway. Yeah. It's but we didn't get that because there was already an investigation hanging over Max's head. Red Bull knew what they were gonna do. Merckx didn't know what they were gonna do. Yeah. And like like, actively, Red Bull said that they were gaming the fact that they had a penalty to serve. Yeah. They, they, they knew. They knew that Verstappen had crossed the line at turn one. Like, and normally, as we've seen countless times in this sport, if you give the position back, they tend to call it quits. You know, that's generally how it's gone. And Red Bull did that. And, and then all of a sudden, of course, because Merckx were too slow on the uptake, they didn't tell Merckx quickly enough. Hamilton's gone into it in full cynical mode, thinking Max is a, uh, you know, Max is going to hold me up so he can, so you know, so that I don't have to get DRS first, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know how anybody could know all of that and then immediately say that Verstappen's intentionally brake checking a dude. 
you know, I, but again, I think that's all just biases and tribalism, dog shit. It's just all a of ball a of it's a ball of biases, questionable driving standards from both drivers. Because man, you're running each other off the track, defending to the point where you both know you're not going to make the corner. The FIA allowing things two races ago that are now deemed not allowable and being slow to hand down decisions directly from race control. Although, to be fair to race control in this one, Massey's got to, he really needs to grow like three or four more arms so he can push more buttons up in uh, race <laughs> control so he can tell more people, tell more people off, basically. Um, all of the questionable stewarding and all of the driving standards that we've seen this year from both drivers have just boiled over and the FIA has lost their handle on this. You know, I really think Netflix is just punching up this uh, Formula One season to add more artificial mm. drama into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Why don't you add something more authentic, like fabricating a rivalry between Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz Jr.? Something a bit more organic for a change. I know. Yeah, and, and what know. we've got now, what, what the product that this has created is that we are now going into the final race of the year on tied points with cars that are more or less equal enough that it's more setup and tire dependent rather yep. than um, specific traits of the cars. And I really don't care going into this last race because... It's just exhausting to watch. After this race, we were uh, in our events chat in uh, the M101 Discord, and we're all just sitting there feeling like we needed a cigarette. Yeah. I was exhausted. I was just like, I can't take much more of this. It's like, I don't want to watch next week. I want to bury my head in my bed pillows and just forget this whole thing ever happened. This race was a historical, a historically significant classic. For all the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, and paraphrasing and, what I said over the weekend. And, exactly. I, I can't take credit. That's King's line. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it was a situation where they crossed the finish line, the race is over, but like there were still some investigations pending. And for the most part, for the like first time ever, I watched the F1 post race show because I just wanted like some form of closure. I just like, please, I want to be able to just move closure. on to next weekend. I think we're, we were waiting closure for the F1 post. We were waiting for, for uh, the people on the post race show to show up in their all black outfits to mourn the loss of Toto Wolf's Bose headphones. All I realized <laughs> that those things seem to take a beating. To Bo, uh, Bose, give us an ad read so we can so we can talk about how like how, how durable sturdy those headphones are after the force of which Toto slammed them against his desk. Yeah, I've right. seen plenty of Toto blow ups before. <laughs> that's got to take the cake. Shout out to Toki in our chat for saying, "quote I legitimately had a cigarette." Um, yeah, don't blame you, Toki. Don't blame you at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I do have to just briefly mention. I did have a moment of levity because it was uh, Will Buxton and Felipe Massa on the post race show. And oh. <laughs> at the start of the post race show, Felipe Massa decided to I don't know intentionally or probably unknowingly use the phrase, "Yeah, we're here. We're outside." We're outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh my sorry, gosh beautiful. I mean and if, this and if you want to know sorry to cut you off Dre if you want to know what it, whether the FIA considered Max's break check 
an intentional move. He got what was effectively a non-penalty for the incident. Uh, didn't end up changing the final result because, man, we have precedent for people taking out other people in title fights in F1 history. And it's a lot harsher than 10 seconds added onto yeah. your race time. Oh, that's like, all your points effectively taken off the table. You still get to keep all of your other counting stats, but all the points don't matter. Yeah, like, though, like, in terms of the race result, 10 seconds is meaningless. 10 seconds is important as they do deem that Verstappen was at fault. Yeah. I, look, I don't see how you couldn't, to be fair. Look, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, of all the stewarding, I'm fine with that. Uh, and actually, I actually appreciated the explanation and the wording they used, I think, was just about spot on. It was mm. erratic, was the words they used to describe Verstappen's driving. Yeah. It was not intentional. It was yep. erratic, and that's the point. There, there, there's a, if anybody actually read that report, as far as I'm concerned, there is more than enough mitigation to say that this is not an intentional brake check. The first paragraph literally says, we acknowledge that Hamilton could have passed Verstappen. How on earth yep. do you call it intentional after that? Like, you're yeah. looking for it because you want to make Verstappen the bad guy in this feud. I get it. And there is more than enough mitigation and more than enough personal biases out there on or off the track to make Verstappen the bad guy. I get it. He's never losing the contest of internet popularity against Lewis Effin Hamilton. I completely understand that. But let's be fair here when we're talking about these dudes because that is not a fair label to intentionally call someone a brake yeah. checker, because that is about yeah. the most damning words you could use to describe someone on a racetrack. Yeah, and it's it's, it's going back to the yeah. whole point of after Silverstone, where every other comment was Lewis Hamilton wrecked his title rival on purpose and danced Woo. on his grave while he was celebrating over his hospital bed. Look, just an incident doesn't have to. An incident doesn't have to be intentional for it to be A, very fucking stupid, and B, erratic. This was another one of those. We got a penalty that was effectively a non-penalty, and we move on to Abu Dhabi. There's another piece of stewarding, or rather not stewarding, but race controlling that I want to touch on before we move on. Sure. The plea deal. Oh, boy. Oh, brother. (sighs) Oh, boy. Uh, After... After the first of numerous restarts, Verstappen gets beat off the line, Lewis beats him into turn one, pins him out on the road where Max basically has nowhere to go, Max cuts the corner and takes the lead. Now this would normally be a perfectly normal position swap, only one, Esteban Ocon jumped Lewis into second place. Esteban Ocon, another winner of the red flag tire change lottery. Oh, yes. Tremendous. And then Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez try to put two into one. It does not work. Another red flag. Yeah. People come down on Leclerc for causing messy multi-car accidents, like in Austria. This was just that, a... one was not, that one was not on him, because where is he else was he supposed to go? Clip through the concrete barrier to his left? Yeah, he should have uh, turned on no clip. Uh, just a bad uh... situation where you had... Perez in the middle with nowhere to go. Uh, one of the Alpha Tars, I want to say Gasly, kind of at his rear tire, and yeah. Sh- Charles pinned up against the wall. Just a bad yeah. racing deal. Yeah. So, you can't overtake people off the track. You certainly can't overtake two people off the track. 
we hear the radio call. <laughs> the plea what? deal. What was the yeah. FIA's? Um, what would the? What does FOM gain out of this by broadcasting that mess? Sweet, sweet clicks. Yeah, sweet Drama. Clicks. Drama. Because up until that point, you could like if the race had played out normally, that would have been the high point of the race. Like probably one of the more decisive moments. And for the most part, like despite what Michael Massey has said about it, it is very unusual because I think a lot of people, a lot of people look at the FIA as like this big monolith where they have full and total control of like, it's just race control, the stewards and the marshals are all just one thing. And it's, it's not, and, uh, for the most part, Michael Massey has a lot of control over the race itself until he has to report an incident to the race stewards. And then it's in the race stewards' hands. They can take as long as they want or as briefly as they want to decide on an incident and make their own decision, which Michael Massey has to enforce. Uh, if it doesn't get to that phase where he reports an incident to the steward, he has, he's fully within his rights as a race director. Do what he wants. And he... And in a situation like that, he felt, you know, like a lot of the complaints that most of us have put forward in this episode and prior episodes about the stewards taking too long, he felt that if he just cuts a deal and the stewards say it's okay for him to cut this deal, they could just move on from this very quickly. You know what this is? This feels like a lot of calls that I had at my old job where I used to work in the mobile phone industry where if I felt like I wasn't getting a supervisor's assistance in a timely manner, I would just rush a deal. I would uh, I would ask for forgiveness, not for permission no. to, to do something if I just wanted to get this over with. And then it would cause yeah. like some messes. Yeah, look, I had no problem with this. I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was full. I, I, like, I unironically think this was the best piece of stewarding that was done on that night. No, I completely agree. I I know it's very easy. I mean, I, I joked about it on Twitter. This was full Michael Massey going Harry Mendel or Noel Edmonds, depending on which version of his own idea of deal or no deal, essentially, by cutting a plea deal with Red Bull and Mercedes are all cool with it. Isn't this kind of what we wanted from stewarding decisions to get it done in a quick and timely manner? And what was ultimately deemed as a fair and valid solution to the issue. Like, isn't this what we all wanted after the last two weeks where we had stewards taking 24 hours to, 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 to deal with relatively small penalties? No, what we I want thought... is to dunk on one dude because he's not Charlie Whiting. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There are a fair amount of things we could criticize Michael Bassey for as race yeah. director. As far as I'm concerned, this is this was not that wasn't one of, them. one of them. This in in a sea of awful decisions, this was the one bright point. This was but not even. This is not the, even in the top. This is not even in the PWI 500. Settle down, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and what it more or less amounted to was Max dropping behind Lewis for the restart, which he wouldn't have otherwise been able to do because there was a red flag for. Pieces of Haas Formula One car strewn across the countryside. A common theme during this weekend, which has basically put Haas on the limit for spare parts for the year. Uh, yeah, look, this, 
I specifically try to avoid using the phrase common sense because people don't generally have common sense. And that's why Not a lot of mitigation... They want common, common sense, but they don't know what it is. There's like, that's mm. why litigation never says common sense when it comes to things like health and safety and whatnot. Because assuming that everybody has common sense... No, Foolish. not practical in real life. Foolish behavior. This was Michael Massey using common sense, and it created, I think, the ideal solution for all parties. As far as I'm concerned, if Mercs were cool with it, if Red Bull was cool with it, and the stewards were cool with it, they don't have, they don't have to appeal to me to say that They're I'm eventually okay with it. cool with it. Like they weren't cool with it at first, as as we started the bargaining process. But you know, eventually everybody was cool with it. I mean, who doesn't like to see Esteban Ocon lead a race for seven seconds? I know I that certainly was nice. do. <laughs> that was that, that was cool before he got seven dunked seconds, on the inside. He says. I yeah, mean, uh, real real Scotty contender, even though it didn't amount to much from Verstappen in turn one there. Indeed, I mean, it still counts. It is is there ways of improving what was going on through all of that? Because we've had a, a, a few rough examples in the last few weeks regarding all of this stewarding process. Is this just a communication con just concern more than anything else? Like honestly, uh, like that you know that negotiated deal was probably one of the best pieces of stewarding in the last decade, Massey Whiting or otherwise. Uh, I, I think a lot of this weekend is down to a lot of unpreparedness where uh -huh. I think the, the practice of flying in marshals from other countries needs to be come more commonplace. Cause it's something that you, you, we have at Monaco every year where people talk about the marshaling team at, at Monaco, basically being an all-star team from, from country, from countries across Europe. And I cool. think that needs to become more commonplace on the F1 calendar, where it is the best of the best that get to officiate these races. That's fair. That's entirely fair. Uh, I mean, that was probably a big part of this system that people are not going to talk about, because as mentioned earlier, we were pointed at Michael Massey, because he's not Charlie Whiting, and that's always good. That is a fight that Michael Massey is never going to win. You are and never going to win unfair. a fight. You are never going to win a fight, a popularity contest against somebody who passed away in office. Yeah. As, as cynical as that sounds, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. I, the stewarding as far as on the ground, like with the wall and everything, 100% yeah. agree with. Yeah. As far as the driving standards between our two uh, title protagonists, I don't know, man. Um, it feels like the line is the line is not a line anymore. There's actually one large squiggle made with magic marker. Yeah, and, look, and it gets all... washed away and redrawn seemingly every weekend. Yeah, was, this is say, uh, this, yeah. Go ahead, Dre. No, sorry. Yeah, fact away. I was gonna say like, look, it's never gonna be a completely flat line. There is always like there is a thousand variables in Formula One that could affect something that could alter a rule when it comes to driving standards. Like, mm -hmm. this brake check incident, in inverted commas, was the walking definition of that, where mm -hmm. there was a lot of mitigation that probably reduced what would have probably been a much bigger penalty for Max on its own. Same with Hamilton at Silverstone. Verstappen was erratic going into that corner, which probably ended up saving Lewis to a degree. I don't think that was normally 10 seconds on its own. I was thinking, well, let's watch that incident, for example. I thought that was a drive-through penalty, personally. I thought it was bigger than 10 seconds. 
you see what I'm getting at here? It's never going to be a completely straight line. You've got to take these things case by case. There's well levels of it, mitigation. Yeah. But the two drivers are have picked up the line and are jumping rope with it at this point. I think they need to sit all 20 of these dudes down and say, look, this sort of incident is five seconds. This sort of incident is 10 seconds. You know, and go from there. Because... We've had these meetings, and yet people have still come out of them, like Leclerc and Verstappen and Hamilton did after Brazil, and we're still no clear as to what exactly a penalty is. And I, I, know, I know you're never going to get 20 people in a room to agree on anything, like between driving standards... You can put 20, you can put 20 people in a shots. room, <laughs> and they're not going to agree, but we're, they're walking out of the room and none of them are agreeing. Right, that that's a problem. You, we, you need to sit down with these dudes. Just sit down with either the drivers or the principals. Let the principals tell the drivers. One way or another, you need more definition as to what inherits a penalty because we've seen far too many erratic calls and non-calls that is going to confuse everybody. It's going to confuse the drivers, as we've clearly seen the way this season's playing out, and it's going to confuse the fans that are at home watching the fact that when I was writing my race review about this, I wasn't sure about whether what Max was doing was legal or not. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's clearly leaving the track and gaining an advantage. But then the other side of my brain is saying, but he got away with that in Brazil. So are we sure that's a penalty well, now? And, and you talked about it and in your articles. That it feels like the penalty here was a makeup call for Brazil, where, again, probably should have been penalized. Only you can't be doing makeup calls. In the middle of a championship fight. You can't, because you, you, you've, you've moved the goalposts. And that can't work when there's so much at stake. It's, it's you know incredibly... What I, you know what I mentioned? Because I mentioned the footballification of Formula One a couple of times in the way that we react to... Uh, in the way that social media has become so tribalistic, uh, which is why the best parts of Formula One Twitter are now just the converted college football ple people who just need something to do every Sunday morning. Uh, the the ball sportification Formula One is now we are having situations where referees are swallowing the whistle in a championship game because they don't want to affect the championship fight themselves. Yeah, let let them and, race, and Michael. Let them fight. And, and officiating. Here's the thing: officiating to not affect the championship fight is affecting the championship fight. All right. Because you are changing the rules to which they adhere across the championship. Yeah, like, the the biggest issue is that this is commonplace across all professional sport, is that yep. the teams decide what the rules are. Uh, right. And they purposely, you know, push the FIA to have non-calls and, quote, a let-them-race mentality. While it's, it's not an it's not as large as an issue in, say, the NFL or the NBA because we're not having one game where all, we're all the teams in the league play in one game at the same time. Right. But I was going to say... That'd be a hell of a sight. Oh, it would be. But I was going to say, that's the problem. People forget, three years ago, the teams told the FIA to let them race. That's why the warning flag now exists. Yeah, they, we, the got, teams we got the questionable... Yeah, we, we had the call in Canada and sit on whichever side of the fence that you will on that. The FIA got publicly raked over the coals by everybody. Uh huh? 
and yeah. they changed the way they officiate Formula One as a result. And now we get this. Yeah. And we've had it in varying degrees since that since that call was made. And of course there's more there's more examples that year and going backwards, but it feels like they've become both more common and more scrutinized in that time period. Right, right. It's a mess. Good luck with that, trying to iron that out. And what it's also to ask the question, Fedders, what role do you think the circuit played in all of this? Because I mean, this Saudi Arabia track, it's a hell of a spectacle. It's a hell of a time trial in place for sure. I mean, I've never been so grateful for onboard cameras in my life watching this watching this Grand Prix weekend, but um, I don't I think s- Saudi I Arabia can comment. hold up like this. <sighs> I made a comment on uh, on a certain blog that this is the kind of track that Herman Tilke's son is going to keep designing. Herman should have kept the condom on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there. Are, I, to, me, to me, while this track is very, very fast, I think like it, it did provide a certain level of spectacle into how fast it was. There, there, it it should you know, it's it's okay if it stays on the calendar, but there are two glaring issues. One, there are not enough cutouts in the wall. There, it's so oh, hard for marshals yeah. to get. <laughs> The reason Onto why the we track. had so many long virtual safety cars is because marshals were having to run across the track to fetch debris in places where it's not safe. Yeah, that, that's a big contributing factor to it. But Verstappen had his Saturday wreck. He had to walk three, four hundred meters down the road to get to a cutout. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, he had to it's leave like, the car, and that was at the last corner of the track. Yeah. Um, okay. We didn't talk much. Uh, go yeah, ahead. and yeah. Uh, the other issue... Uh, one and two. It is for like a funnel. It is a funnel. It is. It's. It's so much of a funnel, and it's not that like dramatic of a corner in terms of like it's. It is a very fast combination of corners for how, for how slow. Say on a start, you would be going into it. King, here's the thing with that corner, because I thought about this uh, seeing it in uh, free practice. It's like they explicitly designed that corner to not be raced into. Yeah. yeah. Because, and, and this is at a track where the rest of the track other than this corner is effectively Baku Sector 3 extended out to be the length of of Singapore. So, uh, Sebastian the problem with this corner... Best. You you mm. will want to build Suzuka with walls. Suzuka is great, but you wouldn't want to build it with blind corners across the whole place. You know, no, I'm no. not going to say this whole and track is a waste. Go ahead. I want to talk about turn one, oh, turn two. It's like, because it's not a dramatic drop-off and, and the way it kind of, you enter the corner, it's very difficult to get alongside someone else who have an overwhelming top speed advantage. Yeah. And then there's no room for their, for them to go other than to cut turn two. Yeah, if they right. open up some of these And corners, turn two is so narrow yeah, that you can't go side-by-side side through it anyway. Yeah, turn two is a one-line corner. <sighs> if they open up some of these corners, I think it would solve a lot of problems. I think it would solve quite a few of the problems. I think that's one thing that you brought up uh, after the race. There are parts of it that are... It's still it's still a salvageable course, of course. You know, Sergio Perez says he likes the curbs better than at some other places like Qatar. But like, 
One thing I thought about it has about its high like, points. It has its high points, but like we as a motor racing populace tuned in to watch the Music City Grand Prix, and the overwhelming opinion was that this track is this shit. This track is a failure. And the difference between that and this is that Jetta Courtney Circuit had about nine figures pumped into it. I can tell you that the Music City Grand Prix had much, much less pumped into hosting that event. Agreed. I'm not saying like that, 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 that either one of these events were were like better than the other or something. I'm just saying that like you they know, were one both, had a lot more resources anyway. They were both the cold fries at the bottom of the bag that you only found Ooh. after you were done eating. Yeah, yeah, Talladega Super Speedway in 1969 should have taught you something about giving yourself more time to finish the track before your first event. Yeah, they still have recovery <sighs> trucks on circuit on Thursday. Well, let's not talk about that. Let's yeah, talk about the fact that in opening practice, we had four curb-triggered tire failures and I had to go and modify a uh, curb to prevent that. Yeah, it's... Like it was, it was slapdash to a degree, and that's not good. And what makes me a little bit more nervous is the fact that we race here again in four months' time because Saudi Arabia is round no. two on the twenty twenty two calendar. Around. Very quick no. turnaround. We'll be back here again in April. So yeah, they better get their shit together, basically. Because I'm tired, uh, boss. <laughs> extremely tired. And uh, the tiredness is not going to slow down not anytime soon because. There was a very controversial branding deal that has to be talked about here as well. Oh, Christ. Because on you want to talk Thursday... about grand opening, grand closing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thursday, Thursday, Mercedes announced a new brand deal partnership with Kingspan. Now, for those guys who don't know, especially if you're listening from the United States, for example, because we have a big American following, Kingspan are a cladding company. Their cladding was... Uh, I would say partly, but I'm probably being very kind here, largely responsible for the fire at Grenville Tower in London in 2017 that killed 72 people. To make matters even worse, Mercedes star driver Lewis Hamilton has, very, has been very vocal over the years about his support to those families that were horribly affected by that, by that tower fire in 2017. And the... Government-led inquiry into that tower fire is still going as you're listening to this podcast. Four and a half years later, it was the definition of bad optics for a Mercedes to, to slap a Kingspad logo on their car. And understandably, people were pissed about yeah. this. And it led... Go, 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 go. Did they consult Lewis before they made this deal? Absolutely fucking not. The the general the general gist that I get is that no, Lewis Hamilton was not consulting this deal. Which of course then you announce the deal like on the day that Lewis is giving his driver's press conference, and on top of all the other shit that he has to deal with, he now has to field questions and be partially held accountable, right, wrongly or very, very wrongly, about something that's completely out of his hands. It was a a, That's absurd. Yeah. In the UK, it was a national story. It was in the sports pages of the newspapers. The Guardian ran, ran a featured story on it. And it was debated on this morning, which is the number well, one it was listed, show in the UK. It wasn't listed under a Mercedes deal. It was listed under a Lewis Hamilton deal. 
and a couple right. of headlines. And, and that's what led that's what led to even more, you know, backlash on this because the internet understandably immediately leapt to Lewis Hamilton's defense on this. He was questioned about it on Saturday, as if Lewis Hamilton is responsible for what sponsors his team brings in. It takes five seconds of logic to dismantle anything to do with Lewis Hamilton on this front. But of course, big British media decided to just slap Hamilton's name on it by association for easy viewage and easy viewership and easy or existing. More yeah, or less. Um, yikes! It's bad, and I'm 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 astonished that this deal lasted a whole Grand Prix weekend. Yeah, didn't one? Hey, if we get a if we get a special D if we get a special die cast on this from uh, from Mini Champs, they have to put a Kingspan a Kingspan logo. Under the nose of a W12. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, because it's worth pointing out, today, as we record this on December 8th, um, Mercedes put a statement out this morning saying that uh, that deal could no longer continue. But uh, Grenville United, the collaboration of the grieving families on the tower, understandably obliterated Toto Wolf via letter when this deal was first announced. And um, Toto was like, don't worry, we contacted them. You know, they said they only used like a small percentage of their cladding. I'll come down and meet you. We'll talk it out. And and Greg Volley and I was like, that's Our not enough. Party under investigation says we were innocent. More at eleven. <laughs> right, right. Even uh, though every, even though the public inquiry information from it is already out there, that Kingspan knew exactly what was going on regarding that tower. And they they knew their equipment was not fit for purpose. Their employees from within the company have said it under oath, you know. So Kingsman knew exactly what they were doing in all of this. So that was a piss poor excuse from Toto Wolf, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, yeah, long story short, Mercs, you should know better. And uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that love the Mercedes team, and understandably why they have absolutely genuinely done. A lot of good off the track as well as yeah. on it. And that deserves to be acknowledged. But at the same time, you ruin a lot of that hard-earned positive reputation mm. when you're doing a deal with a company that was responsible for the deaths of 70 people. Of course. One that your star driver is associated with. To Toto, you should know better. You really, really should know better. Like, Brazil was bad enough and you got away with that one. Like, Oh, it's it, it, it's in, it's incredibly frustrating because it, it ruins the image of teams trying to do goodness, and it just makes me lean back into this old pose of these multi-million slash billion pound companies are not your friends, and they will do anything for a check. And I don't want to think like that, but I'm not being left with much choice. That's what's no so kidding. infuriating like, about like it. this is like this is like on top of Formula Formula One and motorsport in general getting into saying that they're doing all these things to be carbon neutral while getting into funny money that has been proven to be environmentally disastrous. And even when they figure that out, it's still all a scam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just when something like this happens, so it just looks like tasteless. you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. And it's so fucking it's because tasteless. you are. 
it's so it's because you're talking out of both sides of your mouth yeah yeah incredibly frustrating from the team that has set a better example than all the others on the grid combined as far as i'm concerned and yet even they are still guilty of putting their foot in their own asses which is just hardly disappointing to say that everybody bats a thousand you know, we get we get disappointed no. when it's when it's people like we expect to set a better example. And that's just it. Mercedes has made an effort, which is a damn sight more than we can say for most of the sport. And this was just bad. Um, yeah, objectively bad. One more question before we go towards the end of the show. It's the big one. I put it in the set list. If you can answer it in one word. Your 2020 Formula One World Champion at the end of the season finale on Sunday in Abu Dhabi is. Don't all rush in at once, fellas. <laughs> yes. Uh, can't be yes because there are tiebreakers in proceed. Uh, I-, I said at the start of the season, I'm sticking by it. Hamilton wins the championship. Just. Dang. Hamilton wins the championship. Cam? You've read you've leaned on Red Bull the whole way. You've got to say the Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. I'm gonna say Lewis Hamilton. I think he's I think I feel very alone on this. Yeah, this it's <laughs> gonna be that that Fox Sports College football graphic of all of us saying Hamilton and Cam saying Rissapman. And it's either oh this was predictable or oh here's, damn, we here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing, right? I dread truly dread turn one of this race. Me too. Me too. Good and there's a, and there, there's only one reason why I said Verstappen, right? And nothing to do with previous form. As I only learned today, we're on the softest compounds this weekend, and that mm. might be a feather in Red Bull's cap. Yeah, mm, okay. might be. Okay. We'll just okay. have to see how it plays out. Look, I I would love I would for for the sake of sporting, I'd love to see a new champion. I would. Sure. It would be a. It would be a vindication of all of Honda's efforts to build up their engine program. It's a shame that they're going to have to leave, but, you know, their technology is still going to stick around. You know, I'll admit my Maybe personal bias. Maybe the real Formula s- One world champion of 2021 were the friends we made along the way. I wish I, <laughs> I, I, wish I could kick you from this call right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just, yeah, it, it'd be cool for the sport if Verstappen won the championship. It'd also be cool for the sport if Hamilton won the championship. But I, my gut goes with Hamilton, and my heart is kind of going that place too. It, it's it's the safe pick. I can't blame you. It's probably this. If somebody put a gun to my head right now, with one race to win for the title, and said pick one to save your life, uh, I would uh, probably Terry say Bottas. Hamilton. Terry Bottas. How <laughs> about yeah, all that? No, I don't know about that either, but it's a brave call, RJ, I'll say that. I wouldn't want to play Russian roulette with, with Valtteri Bottas and with the fate of the universe on the, on the line, as Max Kellerman would say. Fate of the universe on the line, he almost asked Pac Verstappen into turn one of that first uh, restart. 
He very nearly did. Yeah. Uh, did, did also, I love King's reference to to the college football screen because that's what Mina Kimes did when the Bills played the Patriots on Monday. Bad luck, RJ. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, for one, I, for one, am used to it. I, I'm used to it at this point. Uh, Mac Jones really is that good. Congratulations. Uh, Cam, Cam is set up to be... Um, um, He's set up to be Spencer Hall picking Bama when everybody else picked Georgia last weekend. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You love to see it. Uh, um, it's, uh, uh, I, look, I'm either gonna look. I'm either gonna look really stupid, or you're gonna be a genius, and, and you're gonna, or I'm gonna be vindicated. And, and either all the way, way back to preseason testing. Either way, you don't have to watch Driven. Exactly, because yeah, I do. Yeah, not, you know, at I the end of the day, Ferrari a chance to win this fucking race. At the end of the day. I won because I didn't have to watch Driven. <laughs> right, right. That, that's a good as well as any. And look, I warn you now in advance, sisters and viewers, if Verstappen wins this title, Cam is going to be the smuggest motherfucker on earth next week. You, I'm not. You have been... I'm honest, honest to God. I, hand, hand on my heart. I almost don't care as a result of the previous week. I just want the season to be over. So, like, we can go back to speculating on who's going to fuck up the new regulations. In the words of Jay-Z, we don't believe you. You need more people. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I am enough people. It's, uh, before we get out of town real quick, first and foremost, get well soon to Theo Porcher and Enzo Filippoli. That was an awful Formula 2 wreck we had at the weekend. I'm glad that Enzo was relatively okay. Hopefully, we'll make a full recovery. Um, he's been sharing videos from his hospital bed. Um, wishing all the best for everybody here. And sadly, uh, this weekend was marred by the tragic passing of Sir Frank Williams at age 79. We spoke a lot about in depth when his family left the sport last year, but what more needs to be said than, you know, an absolute legend, an icon of this sport. And the head of one of the greatest teams we've ever seen in this sport. And uh, it's it, re it really won't be quite the same without him. It already hasn't been, but now it's, it's, his loss will be felt even more. And, you know, our, our thoughts and condolences to the entire Williams family, the team, the loved ones, everybody at that Williams unit, because uh, that is a true titan of this sport that has passed on. And, uh, yeah, we salute you, Sir Frank. And... The very best indeed to the Williams family on that one. Whew. So, one more round to go. The season finale for Formula One, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, this weekend. Round 23 of 23. Well, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22 I should say, really, because we didn't, we lost one, we didn't get Japan, damn it. But, uh. Well, we, <sighs> and we, we only kind of got Spa. Yeah. It, it which is which is the championship tiebreaker if they finish level on points. Sicko's oh, race oh, of the year. Oh dear God! <laughs> I didn't realize that we'll until right now. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, you didn't mean yeah, it's, it's nine to eight. Oh my God. yeah. Oh dear God. Whatever happens this Sunday, we will break down. Everything that happens on next week's show, pray that this ends up relatively peaceful. Please, dear God, keep it clean into turn one. Yeah. Please. I can't take much more of this, okay? 
Oh, I'm setting up a prayer circle as we speak. But in the meantime, when I get that built, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, twitter motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, at cmuckley917, at Ryan Eric King. Uh, our website, motorsport101.com, for more written dialogue about everything that will go down this weekend, most definitely. And you, you can back us financially on Patreon if you really like us there. Patreon.com forward slash uh, motorsport101. Five bucks for the audio, audios on early access, videos for ten bucks, as well as support us on top of our Discord. Fingers crossed we all get through next week. No promises. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cal Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. If you can't beat them, yeet them. <laughs> that's, that's just paraphrasing it, if Gap Car. That's another quote by Michelle Shoemaker. <laughs>